Hi, welcome to an episode of Tip Top Tips Edgy with me, Mike Anderson from Net Support, ICT Evangelist. Really excited to share with you some top tips today for Net Support School, a fantastic product to support and uh, sustain teaching and learning uh, under whatever the uh, pandemic and other things throw at us. I'm really excited to have uh, Andy Earp join me uh, for the conversation today. Uh, and so with no further ado, I'll welcome Andy into the studio now. Hi there, Andy. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Have you had any snow? A lot of snow, yeah. Yeah, good three, three four inches here. It's been brilliant. <laughs> oh, fantastic stuff. So look, for those who don't know you, Andy, um, can you tell us a little bit about what it is you do in their supports um, and, uh, and what we're going to be doing today? Sure. Uh, so basically, I'm the techni uh, technical support manager at Net Support at the moment, uh, in charge of the uh, customer support desk. Uh, we basically do lots of things. Um, so we're providing uh, training to customers. We provide consultancy on helping them implement the software um, and day-to-day -day support questions, really. Brilliant. And such an important part of actually making sure things work. You know, if, if, you, if you don't get the things the conditions for success right from the outset, uh, that can really, really scupper an implementation, can't it? Definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're always keen to, to get as involved as we can to uh, to help customers. Brilliant stuff. Well, it's lovely to sort of put a face to the name and uh, all of that stuff, Andy. We've got five questions we're gonna run through today. The first question, uh, viewers, we're gonna be asking Andy today is how to best apply the settings for Net Support School. Uh, have you got some uh, pointers and feedback on that, please, Andy? Yeah, uh, certainly. So by default, Netsport School, without trying to bore people too much, there's two main components. You've got the tutor console components and you've got the student uh, components. Now, when it comes to rolling out those components, by default, the student would pick up its configuration from a client configuration file. And the tutor would write its information to uh, the HKEY current user uh, registry. Um, and that's great. Um, but managing that over a large-scale deployment can be a little bit tricky. So um, when it comes to doing a, an installation, uh, we supply with the software uh, AD template files. We supply those in the classic ADM format and the ADMX uh, format file. And that allows an administrator to um, basically import those into their Active Directory and then be able to configure both the tutor and the student component centrally using uh, group policy. Um, and the templates we provide, we've got them on a machine and a user uh, base level. So there's certain settings you'd probably want to apply to all users. So you do that machine and then there's certain settings you might want to just apply to specific users. So you've got the user uh, templates for those. Um, we typically, when we do implement those, we recommend implementing some on a, a global level. Um, so there are always going to be some settings that you want to apply to all your students uh, or all your teachers. You might want to, uh, for example, hide the student icon on all of those. So you could use the machine template at a global level. But then there's also going to be uh, room level ones as well. So you've got the flexibility with those templates to then apply settings to specific uh, rooms as well. So if you wanted to apply the room name values or other values, you can do that at that level. Um, so yeah, using the AD template files and implementing those via group policy is a really nice way of being able to centrally manage your configuration for both the tutor and the student components. And that's something that if we were walking a customer through a best practice installation, that's something we would kind of uh, you know push towards or, or recommend. Brilliant stuff. Thank you for that uh, tip there, Andy. Uh, and if you're listening in today or, or uh, watching us today, 
uh, then uh, you'll find more information about this and all of the other responses that Andy's giving today uh, in the show notes below with any links to any sort of related documents that you might want to refer to to help you with all these different things as well. Thank you so much for that, Andy. Uh, next question I've got for you. Uh, what is the NetSupport School connectivity server and when is this useful to be implemented? Yeah, definitely. So again, if we were walking through a best practice installation with a uh, with a customer, existing or new customer, um, it's an optional component, but it's one that we would recommend putting in place from the start. Um, now, by default, you don't have a name server. It's not a problem, but the way the software would work is the tutor console components on the tech console, they would have to browse the network to try and locate the student devices to connect to. And that's great, but if you're in an environment where, again, you've got multiple subnets, VLANs, then you would have to pre-configure those tech consoles and tutors with the relevant address information to, uh, to detect the students across those networks. Using the connectivity server takes all that away. You haven't got to do that pre-configuration. So it's quite a lightweight service. You can install it on a virtual or physical, generally on a server operating system is what we'd recommend. And it acts like an address book, essentially. So it literally sits on the, the server, and it's waiting for the students to register. So you again, you can pre-configure your students, and when they start up, so student turns on their, their laptop or turns on the PC, that will register its connection information to that uh, connectivity server. And it's going to register information such as their current IP address, uh, their room name, and their machine name information and MAC address, so it's going to register connection details. What would then happen is your tutor consoles and tech consoles can then be configured to use the uh, the name server. And then again, rather than browsing the network, having to do this 12 second scan to try and detect students, instead they would straight away just talk to that name server and say, here's my room name, what student devices have a matching room name, and then connect based on the information supplied from the connectivity service. So not only does it speed up the connection to you know, a matter of a couple of seconds, mm -hmm. um, it also means you haven't got to do lots of configuration on the tutor console to support a, a VLAN environment. So again, it is one of those components that not everybody uses it. Some people don't even know it exists, but it's really handy to have that implemented and, and can you know, help you in the, uh, in the future when it comes to maybe scaling up your deployment. Brilliant, that's really helpful. And again, it goes to that sort of creating the conditions for success, doesn't it? Uh, so that when you know once the horse is bolted with lots of these things if you haven't got things in place it makes it a little bit more difficult later on doesn't it so uh, really useful and helpful advice there andy thank you again uh, our next question uh, asks uh, and this is um uh, one, one that I, with my teacher hat on for a second would be really important you know uh, making sure that you've only got the right students in your class so how do you uh, are, um, when you're setting all these things up ensure that only teachers um who've got students in their class only care to the students in their class how do you go about doing that yeah, so again, the software tries to be quite flexible here. We've got several modes available. The, the most popular in a standard uh, classroom desktop environment is to use what we call the room mode. And this, again, is where we can pre-configure the students with a uh, set room name. So those fixed desktops in that classroom would all be called maybe uh, room one. And then you would have your tutor console. Uh, that could be maybe on a, a fixed PC in that machine as well. And that could have a pre-configured room name of room one so that when the tutor starts up, it will only look for machines with a matching room name. That's one way you do it, and that's the most common scenario. Now, often teachers are going to be carrying laptops around, 
so from that point of view you wouldn't want to pre-configure it to a set room name so what you can do at that point is the teachers can have a room list available to them so they can have a whole number of uh, room icons and they just double click the one so if they know they're in this classroom they'll double click it and it'll just connect to the students in that room you can go a bit further with that as well um, with the uh, the room name so if your students are carrying laptops around you can pre-configure those with a room list that they can pick from a drop down menu or they can manually enter a class name so again um, that is something that uh, does apply to several customers specifically maybe for kind of bring your own device environments um, but that's kind of one mode and the most popular one we we tend to see there are other modes available uh, in the software some of them are a bit more legacy but still have their uses and um, one of the newer ones is the sys mode so the ability to uh, synchronize with google classroom for your class list and one roster formatted files uh, and the class link uh, one roster um, method as well. That's something that again would coincide with the Connectivity server. So the Connectivity server would be the component that would link up with those uh, systems and then would then uh, supply that to the tutor consoles that are configured. A couple of other alternative modes um, is a fixed PC mode. So you can actually create a list of PCs and then you can make those available to the tutor console and it will only connect to that list of PCs. Um, another one is a list of usernames. So if you wanted to, you could just list a uh, a number of usernames, maybe for a smaller uh, deployment, that might be uh, something that's beneficial to you. And then when you start up the tutor console, it'll only connect to student devices logged on as those uh, usernames. Um, and then the kind of last one we have is the uh, browse mode. Now with the browse mode, essentially what you've got is it will uh, basically uh, connect to any machines that start with a, uh, a fixed prefix for the name. So it could be you know any that start with IC. CT suite and then one and anything with a number after that it will then connect to so that it will browse and, and connect to those that's great for kind of uh, Windows environments and for other uh, platforms that we support specifically uh, specifically though just to mention for uh, Chrome devices um, for Chrome devices we tend to see uh, most customers would be using the Google classroom uh, so there again use the name connectivity server to pull down that class list information and then that would be something that they can then connect to to gain access to those chromebooks uh, we're seeing that a lot uh, a lot more common now um, but um, for example one that i had the other week was uh, quite a different environment which was chrome boxes so it was a uh, a classroom where they'd supplied chrome boxes instead of uh, desktop pcs um, and so we set up what was uh, a, a connect to known list option but it was actually using the device id of those chromebooks uh, uh, Chrome boxes, sorry. So you can pre-configure that list and then the teachers can then set connect to those uh, devices as well. So hopefully out of all of those, there's one way that's gonna help a customer ensure they connected just their students in their classroom. That's really interesting, Andy, thank you. I mean, it is so important to get things right to make it make it work for the teacher in the classroom. And what I love about this is there's, there's real flexibility in there, which enables you to set things up on an admin level within your actual context, but that then makes it consistent in the approaches that teachers can adopt and employ uh, when they come to want to use the software within their classrooms, however things see fit. And, and what I like particularly is that flexibility that schools can have it however they want for their particular context, but then when the admin gets in there and gets it all sorted, it's all in there and ready and running. And um, I also love how it's sort of multi-pronged as well. So for you know, Chromebox to Chromebook to BYOD to fixed PCs, really, really flexible. I really, really, really rate that. Thank you for sharing that, Andy. Uh, next question I've got for you um, is um, not that one. 
Um, it is this one, which is, uh, can net support school work in an RDSH or VDI uh, environment? Now, our viewers may well be uh, really, really technical. I'm not really that technical, Andy. So could you explain to me, just before we get into this, what an RDSH or a VDI environment actually is? So um, basically, RDSH is, is going to be your terminal services type environment. And we come across a few different solutions for that. So we come across, obviously, Microsoft RDSH servers. Um, where you essentially have one server and lots of thin clients dotted around a particular classroom or multiple classrooms. Um, that could also be maybe a Citrix Zen app environment where they've published the desktop again to the um, to the thin clients. And so essentially, these thin clients all pull down a session from uh, from that server. Now, what gets missed quite a few times is customers then they're not always aware that Netsport School can still work in that environment. Um, and it is something that we've been working in for, for a number of years now. Um, there are some slight differences uh, because it is different to a standard kind of desktop deployment. So there are things to be aware of. And that's why we've kind of got some documentation uh, to go with you for uh, this as well. Uh, again, in the resources. And um, now what we've got here is things such as setting up a room lookup list. So um, if you could imagine, you might have a, a set uh, RDSH server and that might be supplying uh, desktop sessions to uh, lots of uh, thin clients in multiple classrooms. How do you know that the tutor is going to connect to the student that it wants? So how is it going to detect those? So we have these things called room lookup lists that you can set up. Um, and again, our support team can help with kind of implementing that solution. So really for this, it's about kind of making that visible that we do support that environment so people don't think oh, okay we've got it in the desktop but is it going to work in this environment if we go down the thin client route and the, the the answer to that is yes it will and um, now the vdi is slightly different vdi is essentially uh, again it could be um, a hyper v environment it could be zen desktop it could be a vmware environment but essentially what you've got is a uh, a virtual machine you have a master image and then that master image is going to be shared between your your uh, thin clients as well and um, Again, Netsport School will work in that. You can install the Netsport School tutor or the student on that um, master image. And if that master image is going to be used in a single classroom, it's really easy. You could just pre-configure that master image with a set room name. But if it's going to be used across multiple classrooms, then again, we've got some documentation you can follow. Uh, we still will work in that environment. You just have to do a bit more setup to get that implemented. Again, the support team will be able to help uh, with doing that. Um, but it's just to make sure people are aware that, uh, you know, the solutions will still work in those environments. Fantastic. Well, I mean, we, we, we're ripping through these questions. I'm, I'm going to stop us there for a second and do an edit because I'm, we've gone so quickly. Have I missed the question out? There is. How to secure access to the tutor console. We could do that one. That. It was the one I brought up before, wasn't it? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's okay. So how do you secure access to the tutor console and remote access to students, Andy? Okay. So um, there are a few different ways that you can secure access to the tutor console um, and also to prevent who's going to be connecting to your uh, student machines to make sure they're nice and secure. Um, looking at the tutor console side, first of all, um, you can set a password on the uh, tutor console. So you can, again, using your template files, ensure that wherever there's a tutor installed, there's a, a password associated with that. So you know, if somebody does gain access to a logon that's got access to the tutor console, it is going to be password protected, and only users that know that password would then be able to log on and use that. Um, in some environments, um, the PCs or laptops around the school are also going to be shared by teachers and students. It's not 
that common, but it does happen. Um, and in that environment, you know, a customer might need to install both the tutor console and the students on all workstations. The danger of that is, okay, but what happens if the students get hold of the tutor console? That's something you don't want to happen. So again, we've got a, a policy in our template files that you could assign as a user-based policy to your student user groups, which essentially, if that policy is applied to them, it'll disable them from being able to run the tutor console. So anybody that has that setting applied won't be able to access that. So again, that's a nice safe thing to, to put on. And again, for kind of best practice install, that's one of the policies I, I recommend to put on. Um, to ensure that only known teachers are connecting to your students, um, you can also configure what's called a security key. And this is a, a kind of a, uh, a behind the scenes handshake, I always say. So on your student machines, you pre-configure those with a security key. Students will never see that, to be honest. Nobody would ever see it. It's just known by the administrators. Um, and that sits on there. Um, and then those students are going to be waiting for a connection from a tutor console. If a tutor console was to run, and try and connect to that machine that hasn't got that same security key configured, then it would not be permitted to connect. Uh, essentially, it would be rejected by the student and it wouldn't allow the connection. So again, you can have a policy in place just assigned to maybe your teacher users or your teacher machines, however you wanted to do that. And then those known machines or known users with that security key applied, when they go to connect to the students, the behind the scenes handshake will occur and um, it would allow the connection to the students. Teachers, again, they haven't got to remember that. It's not something they've got to note down. It's all done behind the scenes. Uh, so it's quite a nice, clever little check that goes on in the background. And again, just ensures that only known tutors are connected to students. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you for the responses to all of those questions, uh, Andy. Um, it sounds to me like there's lots there that people can sort of dip into. And thank you um, uh, for sharing those links to the resources. Uh, which if you're following um, on the podcast or if you're listening on YouTube uh, are in the show notes or the summary uh, underneath the video here on YouTube. Um, Andy, it sounds to me like templates are, are a great way that NetSupport supports um, admins in getting all these different things set up. I'm guessing there's a library available. Where, where, where do admins go to find these sorts of things to help them get them so yeah, the template files themselves are actually available when you install either the uh, Tech Console or the uh, Tutor Console component. You'll find in the installation folder of NetSupport, uh, there's a directory in there where you'll get the latest copy of the uh, template files to import into your Active Directory. Um, the uh, One of the articles uh, that will be connected to this uh, this video will have information as to how you can then go about importing those to your Active Directory, so placing those in the Policy Definitions folder to gain access to those. And again, it's one of these ones that, it's surprising how, you know, when you talk to uh, lots of customers out there, they, they're not aware that the template files are, are there. So again, it's something that we just want to try and signpost as much as possible to make sure people are using the software in the, uh, in the best way and getting the most out of it. Yeah, and obviously it can have a huge impact on reducing workload and make the whole thing sort of pretty much slick in terms of its implementation and uh, installation as well. So, yeah, definitely recommend having a good look at that. Andy, thanks so much for joining us. If people want to get in touch, if they are having problems, where do they go to find uh, to get in touch and get support from you and your team? Yeah, so uh, you can contact us on uh, support at uh, netsupportsoftware.com. Um, we've got a live chat system on our website as well. You can go to www.netsupportsoftware.com forward slash chat. That will take you straight through to the uh, support chat session. Um, you can also phone our uh, local phone number, which will be 01778-382-272. That will go straight through to a, a technician as well to, uh, to be able to help. So, um, yeah, we're always keen to, uh, to uh, make ourselves as visible as possible. 
Brilliant stuff. Well, look, thank you so much for your time uh, today and uh, look forward to you joining me in a few weeks where I think we're going to be talking about net support DNA. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And classroom.cloud as well, a product I'm really excited about. Um, and uh, so, yeah, really looking forward to catching up with you again in the near future. Thank you Excellent. for joining this episode of Tip Top Tips Edu. And uh, keep your eyes peeled either subscribe on our YouTube or via your favorite podcasting app or the Net Support radio app that you have available from your app store as well. Thanks for joining us and look forward to seeing you on our next episode of Tip Top Tips Edu. Thanks. Cheers.